0: Go to John chapter seventeen. John chapter seventeen, Bible verse says, "But as for me and my my house, we will serve the Lord." Um, we got we talked about serving. The problem is when we get we we'll get right into this. There's many different types of houses in there. Do you think there's anybody in this church that's like your house? I mean, they have the same function. They function the same way. Everything looks the same. We're all different. I remember when I bought my house, my house is a different house. Mine is almost two houses hooked together with, um, with an, a laundry room between them and trying to find, when you buy a house, what do they got to do? They got to find houses that are very similar to yours. Well, they couldn't find any houses similar to mine. And isn't it just like we are? We're all so different. We might function a little bit different. We might mow our grass a little different. Does you, do you have a neighbor that doesn't mow their grass? Doesn't that frustrate you? Um, or you spray your yard and kill all the dandelions and they they have a dandelion crop on their side and what do dandelions do? They blow over into your yard. If you're the person that's letting them blow over, just forget what I just said. But if you're the one that's fixing it and cleaning it all up, man, it is sometimes you go, man, we are so different. We're talking about serving and we need to make sure that we serve the Lord. And we can serve the Lord many different ways. Some of you would never get up in a choir. Some of you should be up in a choir. Some of you would never get up and speak in front of a Sunday school class and some of you, God just didn't give you that ability. But it doesn't, doesn't change the fact that we still need to serve. So we're going to look at this next verse and we went started in John chapter um, 13 and we're up to John chapter 17 because we were talking about servant service. I think the biggest thing you could find in John chapter 13 is when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. What a, what a prominent way to serve these men. Then he talks about being a servant. And he says the greatest among them would be what? The servant. And so we, we, we've talked about the servant. So we're going through this. John chapter 13 verse uh, through 17, he talked about the peace that God gives you. He also talks about the love that God has for us. And even in this portion of Scripture is that one verse that we all know, and it's the greater love. The greatest love is what? That a man lay down his life for his friends. That's found in these chapters. And then the endurance that we must have as, as, a, as a person in, in ministry in John chapter 13. Now remember, this is what he tells his disciples in the upper room. And he's and he's sharing with them his heart and he's basically going around and telling them exactly what he had done, John chapter 1 through 12, but he's illustrating it to him and making it personal. And by finding this out, you realize that he really loved these disciples. By the time you get to chapter 17, Judas is gone, of course. And he's going to betray Christ, but he's talking to these men, and he talks about all these different things. And do you not believe that we need to have um, endurance? He talks about being a servant. And then he also re- reflects to us, and he says that we are the branches, and he is what? The vine. And the branches need the vine. They need that for the nourishment, and that's what he's talking about, and that it sustains life for us. So here's, in a nutshell, verses thir- chapter 13 through chapter 16. But then we have chapter 17. Chapter 17 is an interesting chapter because when we look at this, what's this story in the Bible have to do with us? John chapter 17. Something happens in John chapter 17 that's not in John chapter 16. Who is Jesus talking to in this chapter? Go Go to chapter 17. Now remember, John chapter 13 through 16, he's trying to teach his disciples. He's telling them what they need to do. What, and he repeats himself. We talked about re- the repetition that he uses. And he starts talking to them. He loves them. But who is he talking to in this chapter? And, and if you look in the, in the first verse, it says this. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify thy son and thy son also, that thy son may also, also may glorify thee. You know, when I I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how I portray this story. Now, I wasn't there, and there's nothing written about it, but I can almost see this. He's given all these disciples all this information of what's going to happen. He's just reiterating what He said through His whole life. They might not understand everything, but they will. They talk about the Holy Spirit coming and all this. But then in verse number 1, He says, He's not speaking to them anymore. I can almost, now this is how I portray it. I, I portray Him just kind of walking away from them and standing off to the side of them and watching them communicate with each other and watching them intermingle with each other. And I almost picture myself, when I I put myself in this setting, I almost picture John a little bit closer to him, just listening to what he says, because John's the one that writes this account, of course. And then he says he starts talking to God himself. He's not talking to the men anymore. He's talking to God in front of the men. Now, I don't know if they were all listening, but he starts telling things about what they're going to have to go through, and he's begging God to protect them, begging God for them to understand what they they need to do. There's some themes in here that we're going to look at this morning, but I can almost picture him just talking and, and, and speaking where he's not right in the midst of them, he's off to the side, and he's just talking to God and having this conversation. And there's some things I want to point out. I want to point out four things to you as we go through this. And the first one is found in John chapter 17, and we're going to go through one, through 1 through 5. And I want you to follow along with me, and I want you to see some of these things that, that he's talking about here. It says, These words spake Jesus, and lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy Son, and that thy Son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, and that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. This is the eternal life that they might know Thee and the only true God and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. I have glorified Thee on the earth. I have finished the work which was which which was which Thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. The first time we're going to talk about first thing we're going to talk about is finishing for God. He's talking to God. He says, "Listen, I need to finish what you what you sent me down here for." The difference between Jesus and you, there's many different ones, but one of the things that's, that's the difference between you and Jesus is that He knew what was going to happen in the future. He knew every pain He was going to suffer before he, he would be crucified on that cross, and He knew every pain on that cross. He knew what was going to happen. He says, God, I need to finish this. I'm going to ask you this simple question. What was Jesus' purpose for coming to this world? Because He tells you in these, in these five verses. Well, what did He do when He was down here? He healed people. But was that his purpose? No, not really. He was going to heal our our soul. I guess that would be his purpose. But many people came to him. But when he was crucified, where'd all those people go? They weren't there when he was crucified. They weren't sticking up for him. Where's the withered hand man that says, Listen, look what he did to my hand. He's not done anything wrong. Where's the lepers, the two that came back and thanked him? Where's the blind man, the, the, the lame man? I mean, you just go through it and he's healed so many people. Some we don't even know about. But that was not his purpose. What about helping people? Do you not think he helped a lot of people along the way? Just with his persona and the way that he carried himself and, and his personality and his, and his meticulous things of detail of everything that was going on. He was all about helping people. But that was not his purpose. It was just a side issue. How about honoring? Didn't He teach His disciples to honor? Absolutely He did. But do you realize in those two verses, there's twice, two words are used, and this is what His purpose was for. As He's talking to God, and God already knows His purpose, John writes them down. You know what His purpose was? It's called eternal life. Go to verse number 2. And you see John chapter... um, John chapter 17, verse number 2, it says, As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life. He says, listen, that's what, he's here, that's what I'm here for. Everything leading up to this, of course, he's perfect. He needed to be the perfect sacrifice, and we know all those things. He has healed people. He has helped people. He has honored people. But his ultimate thing for coming down on this earth to be born in a manger was to die on a cross for eternal life for us. We gave this, we talked about last week on Sunday night, we were talking about eternal life, the, the, the doctrine of eternal life. And that's great to have. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And that's why he came. Go to verse number three, he says it again. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. It's all about eternal life. That's why he came. And so he had to finish what God had for him for us. Amen? How many of you agree with that? He had to finish what he had to do for us, for God. Amen? All right, so I'm making sure you're not playing with those pencils and stuff. All right, so let's go to the next one. The next one, the second thing he had, he had fervor for his disciples. He loved his disciples. If you go in these verses here, we're going to read these because I want you to get the gist of this. In verse number six, he says, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. And they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee. And they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. Listen to this verse right here. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. He loved these 11 men. Verse number 10 says this, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Shows you that he just loved these people so much, it says that he was glorified in them. God himself said he was glorified in these men because of what they had done. They had given up everything. God doesn't normally do that in this day and age, but they had given up everything for him. They dropped their nets and followed him. And as you study this, you find really quick that there's a couple things that they did that he shows love to them. And he also, when he's talking to God, what's the biggest thing he asked for them? He asks for protection. He wants to protect them when they go out because he knew what they were going to face. Remember, the difference between us and God, one attribute is he knows what's in the future for us as he knew what was in the future for himself. So he knows, what you're going to, he knows who you're going to talk to tomorrow. If I gave you a piece of paper and I said, listen, I want Cecil, I want you to write down everybody you're going to talk to tomorrow, I guarantee you wouldn't get everybody. But God knows. God knows what you, who you're going to talk to, God knows what you're going to talk about, and God knows where you're going to talk. He knows everything. He, he's using this love and protection. He loves these disciples. So the first one is, he needs to finish for God. He also needs to show his fervor for his disciples. And the third one is this. The future for his disciples. Wow. Now, when you look at this, you'll see some interesting, interesting points on this. When we look at this, there's, there's a couple things. And let's start in verse number 11. It says, and now I am no more in the world, but these are in the, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through, th- through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be, what's the next word? One. One. And then he gives an example after this really quick. He says, one, as we are. See, God and Christ are one. He says, listen, they need to be one. There's going to be so many things against them. They, they, they need to understand that they need to be one. You know what this is called? Unification. Unified. We got ready. We got back from our trip yesterday. I want to say it was Scott and I want to say it was Priscilla, they were talking right when we pulled up, and I remember them saying, you know, I didn't even realize you came to the church, or I didn't even know you, I think it was you two that said this, and, they, and then they made this statement, they sit in different parts of the church. And then I'll never remember, I always remember Priscilla, she said so many wonderful things that trip, I just, I just, they just keep coming to my mind. And here's what she said, she said, that's why we go on these trips, so we can get to know each other. You remember saying that? You said so many things, but that was one of them, amen. That's why we go on these trips to get to know each other. We're supposed to be unified. I don't know of any divisions in this church. There is, please don't tell me. I don't want to know them. But you know what? We've got to be unified. You know what that means, Bernard, when someone has a prayer request, we can all share it and we can all pray over it. When we have a burden, we have a blessing. Was talking to our Sunday school class. I talked about a blessing. I think I, I, I called on Russ. He goes, I've got so many blessings. I don't even know which one to share. Amen? Why don't we all say that? Amen? We've got to be unified in what we're doing. There's a unified goal of this. And he's talking to his disciples. He said, listen, God, please have them as me and you are. Have them unified. Because don't you think they had different personalities? Oh, wow, did they have different personalities. I think if you were to put boxing gloves on, on John and Peter at any given time, they'd probably knock the stew out of each other. Peter was the one that wanted to be out in front, and John was the beloved. You can almost see a submissive spirit with that. You got other guys that, you got these other disciples that all had different um, um, thought processes. You had a doubting Thomas, and he gets labeled for one statement that he made in his life. And I think any, any disciple that wasn't there would have said the same thing. So we've got all these different personalities. It says, listen, they've got to be unified. Not only do they need to be unified, but, and this is great, that they should have joy in their life. Go to verse number 12. It says, While I was with them in the world, I kept them in, the, in thy name. Those that gavest me I have kept. And none of them is lost, but the son of perdition. And this is talking about Judas, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. Verse number 13. And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves this shows you where you get your joy it's not in possessions man you can have a possession and it just gets bad real quick and we've i've used this before but the illustration of clothes how they progress you get a a shirt you like okay it's all of a sudden it's one of your shirts you'll wear possibly on sunday or when you want to go out on a date then you get a stain on it what does it turn into Turns into maybe something you'll wear at home, then it gets a little bit more worn, and what do you do? Okay, now it's just a work shirt. And then when it gets something from the work shirt, what happens after that? Then it becomes an oil rag for your car. Right? How many of you can say that you have a, a shirt in your closet, man, that is over twenty-five years old? Would you raise your hand? A one, two. You don't have a shirt that's over twenty-five. You're not raise your hand. I saw one, two, three. Okay, now I'm going to ask these four. These I'm one of them too. I have one too. Can you wear that shirt? Those two can. Okay, there's only one of us out of the four that can't wear that shirt. That one can. That one can. That one can. I'm not going to tell you who the fourth one is, but that person cannot wear that shirt. It's a medium. If I put that shirt on, I'd have to go to a chiropractor with my arms would be contracted all the way back here, okay? One of my favorite shirts growing up. My wife knows not to throw it away. Isn't it interesting how we our clothes, we're so excited about them, and there's four men in here that have a shirt over 25 years old. It's the verse that Jesus says, what? Moth and rust doth corrupt. It's going to destroy it. So we've got to see this, but there's something It's very interesting about this portion of Scripture. It's the world. The world is found many times in this Scripture. In fact, in this Scripture alone, I want to say there's 19 references to the world in John chapter 17. It's interesting when you study this because they were a part of the world. And Jesus uses these these assets about them and he talks about them. let's look at some of these things real quick. There's two words that are found in the, in, when you look at the world. There's of the world, and then there's in the world. And I want to break these down for you so you can see why this is important. Because Jesus was concerned over His disciples because of what the world would do to them. He wanted them to be strong enough to handle it, mature enough to understand what's going on, and strong enough to move forward with whatever happened. So let's look at some of these words with the word of. You, you find them in, in a couple of verses. Of you find John chapter 17 verse 6. It says this in verse number 6. It says, I have manifest thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of, the wor- out of the world. Pulls them out of the world. Go to the next verse in verse number 15. If you jump down there, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou should us them from the evil. This is saying, listen, the disciples are going to be out there, they're going to see it, but keep them from evil because they're of the world. If you continue reading, there's two more verses that says of the world. John chapter 17 verse 14 says this, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them because they are not of the world. Although they are of the world, they're not of the world because Jesus made them different. And he understands when we're different, people aren't going to like us. If you don't understand that, you've not watched in the media. You say one thing that's wrong and you'll get blasted for it. Because you're not like them. We are Christians, we're to be be like Christ. Keep reading in verse number 14, even as I am of not of the world. The next verse is John chapter 17, verse 16. They are not of the world and I am not of the world. He says that twice. He uses that that statement, they're not of the world. Because they were called out but yet they were still going to be in the world. Don't you just get tired of this wicked world we live in? Sometimes how it affects us. He's just talking to His disciples, and the word in is found in John chapter 17, verse 12. Well, I was with them in the world. Because when He says this, He knows He's not going to be there anymore. He's going to walk off this chapter, and He's going to go, and He's going to get um, falsely accused. Not only in that verse, but in verse number 13, it says, And now come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world. It says that, thou, they, that they might have my joy fulfilled in them. Then there's two more verses found. And go to verse number 18. As thou hast sent me into the world, so, so have I sent also them into the world. Verse number 11 says this, And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. That's interesting. He's saying, listen, I'm not going to be in this world anymore, but they are. He loved these disciples so much, but he's concerned about their future. He says, listen, I'm going, to be, I'm, going to go, I'm going to leave, and when I leave, they're going to be on their own. The Holy Spirit's going to eventually come into them, and he, he's going to indwell them when, they, when, they, when, they, when, they, when they, all this thing happens. But right now, I'm going to depart, and they're going to be all by themselves. They're of the world, but they're not of the world. They're in the world, and they're supposed to act different. You ever notice that we're supposed to act different? Amen. Amen. You know what I feel bad? Is when like I'm sick on Sunday morning if I ever get, ever get sick and I have to go outside and get something. I don't want my neighbors to know I'm not in church. Amen? Because I'm not supposed to act like them. I've got neighbors that tell me they go to church every week and they don't. You ever been there? We want to be, be of the world, but we don't need to be in the world. Although we can't get out of it until what? We take our last breath. It's going to be a constant fighting too. Your flesh. Don't you just love your flesh? The older you get your flesh, the weirder it gets. Amen? They were talking about it in our bus. They were like, when you hit 55, you're just going to start falling apart, Pastor Wagner. I was like, thank God I've got two more years. I'm 53. And we're like, you're going to go through all these things. And I don't know if they knew I was listening to them, but I was listening to them. So if you're over 55, they were talking about you in our bus. Don't you love it when you, have, when you sit down too long and you have to make sure your circulation, your legs is good? Amen. Been there. We stopped one time on the bus just so I could walk around. Amen. People say, well, we got we to gotta stop every so often. I, that's fine with me. I want to feel my legs again. Our bodies change. We're going to fight with this flesh our whole entire world until we meet Christ. He says these disciples, which were some of the spiritual men on the face of the earth, he said, listen, I want you to protect them, Lord. You gave me them. They're mine or yours. They're of the world. They're in the world, but they're not from the world. They're going to a different place. Protect them as they go. And I love that verse where it says this. Read it one more time. Verse number 15. I pray not, thou shouldest not take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. You know what this is saying? Is we can still do what's right even in the midst of evil. So we have the future for his disciples. And we have the of and the end in there. And then the last point that I want to to make to you is a future for us. You know, you say, well, why is he saying this? Because he brings it up. Go to verse number 20, and you'll see this. Verse number 20 through 26. And let's just read all these verses, and we'll be done. It says, verse number 20, it says, Neither pray I these for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Isn't that us? That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, And the the glory which thou gavest, me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, and they may be made perfect in me, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundations of the world. Verse number 25. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I also know thee. And these have known that thou hast sent me, and I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. There's some interesting things in here real quick, (coughs) is we need to be unified. Do you realize how many times it says when it talks about (laughs) um, um, people that are saved, the one it said that three or four times in these, these three, six verses I just read. We're supposed to be unified. Not gonna, the next one says that, that we need to love each other. John chapter 17, verse number 26. says this in verse number 26 it says, And I have declared unto them thy name and will declare it, and that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them and I in them. He wants our, his love to be in us. You don't have to hate everybody. You don't have to have disagreement. I don't agree with everybody in this room, amen? And you probably don't agree with me. We can still love each other. And do you you agree with everything that I do? Tell me you love me in front of everybody. Do you love me? Okay, all right. Um, She loves me. And we don't agree about everything. And she thought just for a second on that, but she loves me. We don't agree on everything. We can still love each other. He tells his disciples that they've got to get this. Now, let's look at this last thing and we're done. The last one is this. As we, as we go to the very end, remember the world? What was the purpose of Christ? Christ's purpose was what? Eternal life. What's our purpose? Well, our purpose is found in here too. Number one, we're supposed to show people that they need to believe in something. John chapter 17, verse 21, go to it. It says this. John 17, verse 21 says this. Um, that, they, that, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in them and that they also may be one in us, that the world may what? Believe. How's the world going to know who we are if we don't love each other? How's the world going to believe who who He is if we don't act like Him? So the first one is believe. The second one is know. John chapter 17, verse 23, it says, I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in me, that the world may, what's the next word? No. No. You know what we're supposed to do? Our purpose is to believe, to show people how they can believe and how they can know who God is. It's just that simple. We try to make it more difficult. We live a righteous life, and you know how, why we live a righteous life? So people can see that they can believe in what we are and they can know what we have. And the last one, and we'll end it with this. This is always good. Love shared. Amen. We've got to end it on a good note. Love shared. You am just almost hearing the Joel Osteen coming out of me. Love shared. Watch this. Go to this last verse. Verse number 26 says, And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. This is what God's saying. This is what Jesus is saying, and John writes it down. He says, listen, I need... He, remember, he's the one that's the beloved. He's the one that loves Christ and always close to him. He listens to Jesus say this, and Jesus says, listen... I need to have the love that He has for me for others so that they can know and they can believe. My purpose is to share my faith. And I do that in many different facets. Your purpose is to share your faith. And remember who Jesus is talking to right now. He's not talking to the disciples. He's talking to God and sharing a petition with God saying, Listen, these people, these men need this. And not only do these men need this, but the future generations need to have this in their life. Because people are counting on us. We sometimes like to think we live on an island. But we don't. Things that you do. I mean, all it takes is for me to lose my testimony. I, I don't know if some of you don't have neighbors. I'm thinking of the barnettes They don't have neighbors right beside them. And, and other people, Larry, Larry Hilton, I think you could yell as loud as you wanted your wife and no one would hear, right? But she would hear it. Just remember that, okay? But some of us live in, in areas where if I did something at my house... It could affect my testimony to anybody around me. Right? So we've got to be able to understand what our purpose is. Our purpose is to share our belief, to share the knowledge that we have in Christ, and to show love to people. That's what God wants us to do. And that's how He ends His conversation in the upper room. Because go to the next chapter. He's leaving. One of his disciples has heard all this. He's going to defend him, cut off a guy's ear. But then that same disciple's going to do what? Deny him three times. He is all alone. And the only thing Jesus has for him in this chapter and the next couple chapters is God himself. Aren't you thankful that he's done more for us? Amen. Amen. Than what sometimes we do for him.